mentally knowing that like a medal is slipping away from you and you literally can't move your legs any faster it's just like the worst thing in the world OTB AM live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB sports app OTB AM with Gillette get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs razor with exfoliating bar so what's your opinion on the glazers? When I was a nipper, I used to think that the Daleks were the most evil creatures in the universe. I'd never heard of the Glazers then. <laughs> so, would you say your Glazer is out? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they, they, they parasites. They're parasites. They, they always have been. They, 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 they're liars. They're nothing, not, not, not interested in sport. They're only interested in the money. The sooner we see in the back of them, the better. I ask just your proximity to Old Trafford here. Is that ever an issue for you wanting to speak your mind about the Glazers? Because I've spoken to a few people just in the environment of Old Trafford and they say we have to watch what we say. You've never had an issue like that being literally on the doorstep of Old Trafford, have you? I'm not an employee of United Soccer. I can say what I want, you know. And um, I was against the Glazers from the word go. And uh, and I'm against the Glazers now, but I hope... I hope things will change, but I think they're going to stay where they are and just keep leeching money out. And I presume the green and gold flags fly off the shelves. They, they go okay, they go okay, but um, it's, it's not going to. It's not going to get. The Glazers aren't going to pay any attention to people wearing green and gold. They, they're not. They're not interested at all. And what's your expectation for the protest tonight in terms of the scale? I'm, I, I don't know. I don't know. The, the, the people that are on the protest are, are not going to buy souvenirs. Oh, and Sheehan, good morning to you. Good morning. I think uh, 40 seconds is what I have it down as, as the period of time that I was actually happy for Manchester United. And my camera here is like trained on Colin Buig and he is just beaming from ear to ear. It is Cheshire cat-like. It's almost like, what is it, an entourage when Ari Gold shows up with the, the paintball gun and shoots all his enemies in the office. I was expecting Colin to show up at one this morning and I'm not surprised at that. Uh, text was sent to Jer. Uh, but good, good stuff in getting out in front of it, Jer. Oh, yeah. And, uh, apparently you were supposed to see the future. With regards to it, it's Jaden Sancho, is that, is, is that where we're at when, we call, when it comes to analysing the take around Jaden Sancho, that we were actually predicting the future, about how good he will be in times that we had not seen yet? I agree, Owen. Thank you for uh, coming right into my rescue and defence. What was, what was Old Trafford like and um, why are you sitting beside the only loud baby in Manchester Airport? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, like it was, it was great. It was absolutely fantastic. Now, to be fair, I actually missed the Jaden Sancho goal. Uh, I, I didn't get to see it in the flesh. All I got to hear was the cacophony of noise from outside the stadium because we were actually locked out. I think they were quite worried of a kind of storming of Old Trafford again last night. That they ended up closing down all the shutters. So if you weren't in the stadium before quarter to eight last night you weren't getting in, certainly from a media perspective. So I was obviously covering all the fan stuff. I walked through the protest, actually, all the way to uh, Old Trafford. And by the time I got to, to the staircase to try and take my seat, uh, at about 10 to 8, it was like, no, sorry, you're not getting in. And I was like, what's going on here? And they were like, we actually don't know, and we don't know if you'll be able to get in. Um, but eventually they did get in for the second goal, and uh, that was pretty special as well. And I think uh, regardless of who you support, see Marcus Rashford back in the score sheet is a, is a pretty positive story. Yeah, even though he looked offside, even when the VAR came through, I was like, oh, that's definitely offside. And they're like, oh, they've managed to mm. somehow grandfather this in. I mean, look, you know, that's what happens when you're the biggest club in the world and you're down in your luck, I suppose. Uh, a bit like uh, that Icelandic team against Shelburne the other night. Uh, <laughs> and in terms of the great cathedrals of world sport, everybody always complains about the state of Old Trafford and it's such a shithole these days. But, I mean, it's still amazing when you go there, right? Oh, absolutely unbelievable. 
And I think probably the lack of the big screen actually helps in that regard. So I'm, I'm not sure why, but it just kind of like being there and not, and I guess the, the kind of lack, the, the sense of mystery around some of the decisions, I guess, and the, the, the fact that that kind of like feeds into the siege mentality that the United fans have, where if there's a decision made and they think it's against their team and they've been screwed over, they can absolutely continue that sense of injustice because they won't be able to see it on the big screen. They won't be able to be corrected. And I think that's one little small thing that helps. It's tight. It probably needs upgrading, but it's a phenomenal, phenomenal uh, theatre to, to pardon the pun. Like the thing is, like if you are late, everybody's raging with you. Like I caused a, a serious scene trying to get into the press box last night because I was so late and there was a man beside me who was not happy whatsoever. I got shouted at on my first time in the press box in Old Trafford last night. So, uh, but other than that, just a phenomenal, phenomenal stadium. And um, yeah, like I, I think it's, it's hard not to come away from it last night thinking, God, they are definitely back. But at the same time, there's been so many moments over the past few seasons where they have managed to uh, take Liverpool down or beat Manchester City and we know that that doesn't come with a level of consistency, but maybe Ten Hag is that guy who can who can finally bring that. My uh, first experience in the Old Trafford press box was a little bit different to Owens. Uh, I chose this exact fixture last season when United, of course, lost 5-0. So I picked a good one as a, a so-called Manchester United fan. But um, Owen, you're like the, the area there, the press box is quite close to, to the away fans. Like, is the were the Avram Grant uh, Avram Grant um, face masks on show last night with the chance uh, fairly decent from the Liverpool section in that end? <laughs> I'm not quite sure. Like, but the best chance of the night was definitely uh, you're just a shit Casemiro when uh, Klopp made a substitution uh, for Henderson coming off for Fabinho, <laughs> and I tweeted it uh, in regards to Fabinho coming off, and I think Andy Mitten tweeted it in regards to. Uh, to, to Henderson coming off, and I, I, sorry, and I tweeted it regarding Fabinho. So, and then somebody tweeted me being like, "Which one is it? Is it a chant around Henderson or is it a chant around Fabinho?" And I presume it was Fabinho, given the the whole uh, Brazilian element of it. But that was that was definitely the best chant. With, with regards to Liverpool fans, like I think that uh, the United uh, the supporters I was chatting to afterwards, and we'll bring you that video tomorrow morning uh, when it comes to the United fans. Uh, they were pretty much sticking to boot and being like, "Yeah, they were very quiet all night." Uh, to be fair, I thought that the, the, the Salah goal really gave them a kick and. I thought there was going to be a bit more of a nervous energy around Old Trafford at that point, but it never really felt like it. And I never really felt like Liverpool were actually going to equalise after that, which is a serious worry, you'd have thought, for Jurgen Klopp. And is, is that actually potentially going to be the bigger, bigger story as the season progresses? Like, is, is, this, is what we're seeing from Liverpool over the first three games actually a serious red flag for what's about to come this season? What do you think, having watched them last night? Because like, they, they looked lifeless, they looked lacking energy, they looked like they were lacking direction. They couldn't get Salah in the game at all. I mean, he scores and it's, it's completely off scraps as opposed to something where there's been a pattern of play, they've found a weakness, they've given him the ball again and again and the third time he's tried something, it's come off. It was not that at all. So what, what were they like in person? Yeah, not great at all. And as I said, just no sense that they were actually ever going to score like Manchester United like thoroughly the better team last night now the one thing I would say is that Darwin Nunez has picked a very bad time to get suspended like that would have been a totally different element to the game last night obviously like, I mean poor like poor Alessandro um, Martinez like and the, the constant talk around him being five foot nine. like that would have been even more blown up around uh, this game had he been up against whatever Darwin Nunez is, 6'2", 6'3", uh, before last night. And no doubt Liverpool would have targeted that. So for Roberto Firmino to be in his place, I think that was a, a huge setback for Liverpool going into uh, last night. And I think that's uh, something that probably held them back a little bit because it feels sometimes like they're playing with one less attacker. And I think Manchester United were delighted to see that. They were delighted to see Firmino 
on the pitch as it turned out. Even though I, I'm sure, I think somebody on the show yesterday morning was saying that maybe Firmino would have started anyway. It was maybe a game for him. In hindsight, though, I think that's clearly just not the case. He was actually a bit of a drawback to Liverpool and how they attacked. I talk like if we're looking for like small crumbs of positivity, Tuck Carvalho had a had a had a big impact on the game when he came on. I don't think Harvey Elliott was as bad as, as maybe some people would suggest after the game either. So those two players in particular, because I hadn't seen him play in the flesh before, I thought they actually did all right. I think Phil was saying outside that he thought that uh, Harvey Elliott was their best player. So uh, the, right, okay. the spectrum of opinion about that and I guess like a Rorschach test, you, you see what you want to see. Um, OK, and then from Manchester United's perspective, how much of a, an attacking plan did it look like they had in person as well? What was the movement like? Because that was one of the things... The 14 kilometers that they didn't run and then were forced to run on Sunday training. What was what were they actually like? Yeah, like it, it's definitely kind of like frustrating watching someone like Anthony Martial, who obviously is the the first substitution off the bench, which felt pointed that he comes on before Cristiano Ronaldo. Just how close to offside he constantly is, and it constantly feels like he he lives there. It, it feels that if he can address that element of his game, then he's going to have a big part to play for Ten Hag this season in big games because it does feel that on the counter attack. There's not many players better than him because he can get the ball beyond the, the last defender and then also the way he can pick a pass as well as outstanding. So I think they were pretty much content to, to, to know that Liverpool would have a lot of possession and that they would know that they would be, be able to counter pretty quickly. And um, after that point, then they'd, they'd be able to uh, like kill him on the counter-attack, which is probably the plan and something that they brought to the table against uh, some of the other top teams. Like I, I still think that there's, there's a lot to be found out about Manchester United. Like, what happens when they've got 60% of the ball again? Because that was the case against Brentford. They had the lion's share of possession. I think they actually had more attempts than Brentford on the day, if I'm not mistaken. So those two statistics, when they're in Manchester United's favour, as you'd expect they would be in the majority of games at Old Trafford, how will they then play? So I think last night was a brilliant confidence boost for them. But let's just see how things develop when they're expected to win games. Which players impressed you in person? Uh, Malasia and Martinez... Uh, in particular, the, the two new boys. I thought Varane was very composed. Like I don't think Harry Maguire is getting back in that team, and like it, it was mostly the other two. And I think that was like a massive boon for Eric Ten Hag because we've been constantly told over the last few weeks that uh, you know he's been hung out to dry a little bit in the transfer market, where they don't have a proper recruitment policy, and therefore he is forced to sign forced to sign players like Martinez and um, Malasia. And they were excellent last night. Just a level of aggression from those players and Dallow as well I know I've just literally name checked the back four so I guess that's it the back four and the level of regression that they brought, brought to their one-on-one battles was seriously impressive because you would have to say before the game you would have given Liverpool the edge even allowing for Firmino you would have given Liverpool the edge in every single one of those attackers versus defenders one-to-ones and as it turned out Manchester United had a clean sweep in that department McTominay was pretty good was he not? Yeah, uh, everybody's yeah. like, what? was he not? Was he not pretty good? Yeah, it was a good game, game yeah. yeah sorry. It was, it was, I mean, sorry. that through ball in the first half was a sensational. Yeah, what? Yeah, that, it was. I, I saw that back. Uh, I thought Fred actually was okay when he came on as well, playing a few good tackles. And uh, are we saying that Bruno Fernandez is now back as well? well once once Cristiano's we, gone, he's like yeah, oh, different yeah, man. It's different the man. Reverse Samson. I know. And like, if you're just to concentrate then and say one specific area, maybe up front, did anybody else stand out for you? Anybody that's very good in person? No. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he, he looks the part, but the fans love him. And I mean, like, he, I mean, if you're, if you're who, who's leading, that? Who? Uh, I think it's uh, Mr. J. Sancho. Oh. Jaden S. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, good player. Good I don't know this, yeah. Expecting He's big things. Underrated, I'd say. <laughs> the new Jesse Lingard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, they God, they absolutely love him. And I think the fact that he managed to leave a Liverpool player on his arse as well mm. uh, before he puts the ball to the back of the two them. between two players as well. <laughs> oh, but yeah, three well, on the yeah. ball. That's effective play, isn't it? But that's what it's the intensity from the very outset. Like you, you knew straight away when Martinez put the big hit on Salah, and there was a few giggles uh, from Salah. Like United were just yeah. up for it, and then uh, you'd worry because when Ronaldo was on that team, when Ronaldo came off the bench, he didn't make any runs, he didn't move. Hardly surprising, but uh, and Harry Maguire as well. Like he's he's an FA Cup centre half. He's a backup centre half for United now this season. Although he's got a World Cup with England to look forward to. Does so he? Does he have a World Cup with well, England to look forward to? He's he's out of that team too. I think. What are the what, he's playing for United? He's not playing for England. The so. transfer window closes Thursday week. What are the odds Maguire moves? I think the Chelsea rumours were just his agent probably stoking the fire trying to get United to, to get him back in the team but I, I mean he's I, not getting back in that I that think lineup. Owen witnessed the start of a new era last night I think they have a new left back and a new centre half starting I think Maguire and Shaw are in trouble Oh 100% Yeah, yeah 100% Ma- Malassia is How do you go back Shaw. to them? How do you possibly go back to them after that performance? Mm. Like the thing is, uh, I mean, Martin is, is not six or three. He's still five at nine. I mean, apparently this is going to be something that does, is going to catch him out. And Maguire is taller than Martin is, therefore a better Premier League centre back. If, if we're to be, believe some of the things that we hear, like I mean, it, it would seem a little bit drastic if, if it was his if his career was going to be over now. Just be, just sheer volume of numbers at the back. An FA Cup defender, I think, is a good shout. Just, just one, one other kind of observation on Ten Hag and Shane. You kind of touched on it there earlier on is that like he, 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 you kind of maybe pointed to the fact that he felt like more of a dugout manager in the first two games maybe his tail is between his legs a little bit he still is very much a dugout manager when Manchester United are winning like the technical area last night it's usually in, in, in modern football when you're there it, it, you, you can just watch the two guys are almost like um, two Jedi masters going head to head without the lightsabers almost but last night it's just Jurgen Klopp going mad in his technical area and it's like where's Ten Hag and he's sitting in the dugout quite a bit. I'm sure, to be fair, you, you picked it up on TV as well, but uh, I just constantly picture him like stroking his goatee while sitting in uh, the dugout. And uh, he certainly wasn't uh, like prancing around his technical area as much as his opposite number last night. He's, he's, uh, he's a more thoughtful... He, he, I think that's just a thoughtful ten hack that we saw in the first two games, and that's not going to change whether they're winning or losing. Are we saying there's just a hangover with Liverpool, that their recruitment hasn't been enough to... Make up for the seven or eight first choice players. I mean, is there four first choice players really who are injured? I I don't know. To be honest, I think that there's something more there. Like Allison looked a little bit shaky last night, didn't he? Mm. Like there was there was a couple of moments here and there. Like I'm sure maybe that just comes from the fact that you don't have your full first choice midfield available. You've got less of a control in the match, and that just seeps into the rest of the team. Like there is still the fact that they were unlucky. Um, unlucky is maybe a bit strong. But you, you could maybe put, if you're looking at a glass half full, you could say they were unlucky against Crystal Palace. And they were the better team that day, and they, they should have come away with three points. Um, so they've had, they haven't had the rubber green in that regard. But they were comfortably second best last night, I thought, which is a, a real worry in the space of 12 months. They've gone from being so much better than Manchester United, where scoring five goals brought possibly even flattered Manchester United on, on the day in terms of what they conceded. So, yeah, it's a big drop off from that performance last year. And it's, it's hard to know quite what's going on because I don't think the lack of midfield options alone explains it. Okay, Owen, stay with us. It's uh, 7.46 this morning. We might just um, dim the sound of the airport for a second. This is OTBAM. We're live each morning with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. Owen in Manchester all the way up to 10 past 8. Daniel Harris going to join us at 10 past 8. We're bringing the sports pages at 8.35. More reflection from the Liverpool side of things with Gareth Roberts at around about 8.50. Neve Briggs is going to join us from Japan where Ireland had a massive win at the weekend uh, at 10 past 9. And then you're going to hear from Emma Brennan about the boxing and the Bernard Dunn story which broke yesterday where it looks like he's heading over to be the high performance director for the Indian Boxing 
uh, team in advance of the Olympic Games in Paris next year. At 7.47, you can roll your comments in uh, on youtube.com forward slash off the ball. Or, of course, you can tweet the show at off the ball. How excited are you now? <laughs> I, like, I, I don't want to get fully carried away, but I, but I think not? The, the, the attitude shift, because I've seen so much crap over the last two years, This three feels years. a little bit different, right? It does. Like, Ronaldo, I was always... And I spoke about this briefly outside before we started. I was always in the Ronaldo win camp because I thought the goals he brought, like I was in Old Trafford for the Atlanta game last year, for the Villarreal game last year, where he literally pulled United out of the ashes. Um, but looking at it last night, those players are only going to excel when Ronaldo was not in the team. That's like a toxic relationship where you've got all these great moments and, you know, the good times are really good. Yeah, and then that's, bias. That's, yeah. What, that's what you remember. But actually, you don't remember all the fights and the niggling no. and the undermining and the gaslighting and the yeah. nagging you just you, f- you forget it well it's it's the whole Ronaldo on Instagram talk like inter- interacting with, with random uh, fan banter pages where he's like I'm going to speak in two weeks and Bruno f- was asked about it last night after the game and he said he knows what Ronaldo is going to say whether he's going to uh, stay or leave uh, but that he's not going to reveal what what it is he's going to say like why is he waiting two weeks that is that is toxic Bruno should have just spat it out yeah just say it get it over like, with because but, in two weeks he won't be at the club yeah that's what he means I'd imagine so yeah I, it looks like he's going to go out the door now like last I night seemed know. like it's a take him. I, I cancel the contract I would cancel the yeah. contract at this stage yeah. it's well, who's going to take like, him is the issue um, yeah you know what I noticed uh, well, on TV anyway maybe Owen is a different interpretation of it but I noticed a quite muted reaction when he came on yeah when Ronaldo came on Owen what, what, what was it like in the stadium well, uh, to, uh, to be honest, so he's obviously one of a triple substitution. And uh, I don't know why this came into my head. I was like, why isn't he the last sub that they announced? You know, the mm, grand finale. Like, yeah. The middle, yeah. yeah, it's like three, two, one. And I was like, number seven, Ronaldo. They didn't even, it's obviously something they don't ever do at, at Old Trafford. They didn't name his, say, Cristiano Ronaldo. You know, like I would have said, Cristiano Ronaldo. They I do when like he scores. They say Cristiano. I noticed that yeah. as well on TV. I, I was surprised they didn't say the fault. It was like it was uh, Alan Keegan is the voice, uh, the stadium PA guy in, in, mm. in Old Trafford. And I, th- I, f- I actually thought that was a bit, w- bit strange last night that he didn't Well, say yeah, it's rare that he comes on as a substitute. But in his debut against Bolton in 2003, he was introduced as Ronaldo. Because he very, very originally went by Ronaldo. Yeah. And then it became Cristiano. But that's the first time I've heard it since. But how many times has Ronaldo come on as a sub at Old Trafford? True. But I noticed immediate reaction. He's kind of become like. Um, like a group of friends and they've been friends since they were childhood but this guy doesn't really suit the group of friends anymore and they're like well he's our friend for life now so we can't get rid of him and he kind of has that vibe he's stenching out the joint that's what I'm trying to say but I do love him for what he's done for the club well that was the, that was the pre-match wasn't it where he's like coming over and he's hugging Gary Neville and he's hugging Keane and Keane's giving him a bit of like come on come on what are you doing uh, that was all you said you sat and watched the whole coverage yeah I, like from 6.30 yesterday evening to to 11 p.m. after the match, like it was just, it was just box office. Like you had storms, he landed in after the game yeah. as well. I missed all that, so I went to bed straight away. The, so. Like Keane, for me, I, like Casemiro. I know this guy are playing up to United fans, loving this kind of thing. But Casemiro walks straight over to Roy Keane, shakes his hand, and lovely little hug in a moment. The passing of the mantle from the, well, that, the legend. I, like that's that's pretty interesting, isn't it? I like, mean, we, yeah. we we obviously assume because Roy Keane is like the biggest sports person in Irish history because of everything that happened. That like. Uh, I don't know, but the five-time Champions League winner from Brazil straight over to him. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah, I thought yeah. that was interesting. He's, like, a, he's a student of the game, Casemiro. Similar he, positions, <laughs> you know. I'm, I'm serious. Um, he goes on Y Scout uh, a lot, and in his oh, yeah. spare time, watches games to analyze other players and compares his stats against others. Right. So I have no doubt that Casemiro would look at YouTube like best holding midfielders, best midfielders of all time. Enter, sits back, skip ad. Yeah. It's going to be good. And Roy Keane comes up. There's no ads fan. on his version, I'd say. What's Ronaldo's yeah. game? 
what's hmm? Ronaldo's game going over to the Sky Sports crew? Like, what's what? Like, I mean, that's oh, sorry, I, yeah, I, yeah. I accidentally misplaced the pass there. What's 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 he thinking? What's going through his head? What's, well, Dave what's he getting said, at there? Dave Jones said always centre stage, didn't he? Was that was uh, was that his little kind of explanation for it all? I love yeah, the way Roy. I love the way Roy Keane's like. Oh, you're not paying any attention to me. Oh, hang on, I'm not going to pay any attention to you now for a minute. Sorry, sorry, Dave. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's Cristiano. That was great. Adrian I love that. Barry, Adrian Barry pointed in last night into our work group that um, you know that the snub of Carragher was interesting in itself, and that it could have Rio Ferdinand saying in his YouTube post game last night as well that it could well have been the fact that you know Carragher's been quite outspoken that Ronaldo has been the problem at United that he has been a bit toxic, whereas Keane and, and Neville have kind of held back from from maybe going that far, but. That was interesting. Maybe he's just snubbing the Liverpool man in front of all the the Old Trafford faithful. But uh, yeah, it was probably an interesting one as well. But the Sky coverage, it, it, even just to see Cara and Neville or Cara and uh, yeah, Cara and Neville in the centre circle before the game, literally almost warming up with the players. Yeah. You're like they couldn't be any closer, and they started walking even closer to the added uh, to the added centre circle. Um, and then Keane slagging Klopp as well, saying oh, you were a bit yeah. sloppy. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, and then after they, like I I surprised I didn't see, but I I wouldn't be. Uh, surprised to learn there was a callback from Keane about the sloppiness afterwards because they were pretty 100%. sloppy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Liverpool were dreadful last night. Like straight from the off, and, and I actually it noticed that I'd, like straight after the first goal, when you see Van Dijk and, and Milner kind of going at it, it's it's not really a big deal because you know teammates have arguments when the goals make it seated, but you don't really see it from this Liverpool team. You don't see those moments, and, and to see that was a little bit of a maybe not necessarily a chink in the armor, but it was certainly. A I think it's important. I do think it's important. I think I so I I, I get that Van Dijk is in the wrong position and doesn't uh, doesn't address the situation at all. But like I am literally Milner's biggest fan on this program and uh for years I've been saying like he's one of England's greatest professionals and but that was horrific. He he like he, I actually think he puts Alisson off. He buys the Sancho dummy so badly that there's no recovery from that. And then to turn around and go, oh, it's actually your fault. It's like, well you just put your goalkeeper off. Yeah. He did he did With buy Bruno it. saying, Here's this corridor here. Look, just sweep the ball down the corridor. All you gotta do, come on, come on, Jaden, hurry it up, come on. But I did think he Van still Dijk, screwed it up. I thought Van Dijk uh, was what, what worse. part did he nearly screw up? <laughs> <laughs> I, I actually thought Van Dyke's reaction to that was was worse than Milner's. I, I understood what Milner was thinking. He was like, "Right, this is going to be a straight off shot from Sancho. Yeah. Dive in, try and block it." He looks like a fool, obviously, in the end up. But but I think he, Van Dyke should have made himself bigger. As the lad said afterwards on Sky, he almost made himself as small as possible. Yeah, Van yeah, Dijk, yeah. Well, which was just mad. But by 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 diving in, Milner like made his mind up. Well, and the keepers. Yeah, do you know? Like, there's a. I, I just think I don't know. And, and look, maybe Allison's confidence is a bit low, and or something's something's gone wrong with the centre back. Something's gone wrong with the midfield, and it's this kind of uh, fairly sticky situation. They, they do look light. They did look light. And I, I thought at half time I was quite confident that United were going to win the game because they just. I didn't see a threat from Liverpool. Mm. Carvalho was good when he came on. Here's one for you, Ger. Who's going to finish higher in the table, Manchester United or Liverpool? Oh, Liverpool are going to finish higher yeah. in the table over the course of the season. Newcastle's still going to finish oh. ahead of Manchester United. <laughs> What's Manchester Airport like going? <laughs> it's nice, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's still the, the, the sort of the sort of zombies of the night before, kind of wandering towards their gates. Flights to to Dublin and to Cork out of here today. So good contingent, a plane full of Colin Buicks flying over yesterday morning. Cork uh, accents talking about uh, Manchester United. <laughs> I was actually uh, I was actually sitting beside uh, Jamie Wall on the the flight oh, over, yeah. and to be fair. Um, his uh, his entire opinion on Manchester United was bleak because of Man- because of Harry Maguire. So um, I'd say he's particularly pleased that they got that decision right and literally just walk, uh, walk, walk past me right now as well. 
and uh, they got that decision right last night as uh, as they dropped him. So um, yeah, that that worked out pretty well. I mean, like that, that that's what yesterday comes down to is like the big decisions for Ten Hag, and it's like a number of significant small uh, number of significant wins for Ten Hag last night. I think with regards to the selection, with regards to some of the players that stood up for him, and most importantly, the fact that Ronaldo and Maguire had nothing to do with it. Really, <laughs> I nothing think, to do with the win. I think that's central, right? Because the, the rumours were coming out that the players believed that they should play a different style of play, and it was back to the or the players are in charge and. Solskjaer is just there as some kind of bauble on the front to take the blame and take the money and do the press conferences. But like Ten Hag is not the same. So if the players are like, oh, we don't want to do this, like, okay, grand, off you go. Don't play. Because they actually, it looked like they were doing what they were supposed to do last night. Even Bruno's running seemed like less headless than it has in the past. Yeah, like it still goes back to let's just see how this plays out over the, the next few weeks when it's like the, the cut and thrust of like three afternoon games, either in Old Trafford or away yeah. from home. Like, uh, like to be fair, like I mean, it's, it's obviously this is obviously something you would say after the game if you're a fan who like protested yesterday. But like they were making the point that there was like such an energy in the stadium after what happened outside the stadium beforehand, and it just felt like a momentous occasion. That there was no way that they weren't going to start well yesterday. There was no way that they yeah. couldn't have the kick uh, that that they required, and like that that was the central tenet of what went wrong against Brentford. Really, is that like Ten Hag wouldn't have taken them out for a training session the next day if he felt they had worked hard enough. If yeah. he felt that there was enough. Uh, of, the, of those intangibles like like Hart and all that uh, last Saturday week, so they had to refine that yesterday. And a game at Old Trafford against Liverpool, perversely, is an easy way to find that, and it's an easy time to find that. So I'm I'm just interested in how this develops when things settle down and uh, they they kind of come back to sort of a, a week in week out routine nature of being Manchester United players. A big win for the Glazers, of course, as well. You know, like uh, that team that they've invested so much money in, uh, and uh, they've, then Casemiro comes and he's like the crowd and these constant shots him oh, and they're joking oh, how am I going to get in the team and it's like it's all coming up it's all coming up Glazers that wasn't the case pre-match you were, as you said you walked through the protests yeah so uh, there was uh, a significant protest to be fair I'm not, I'm not sure the exact numbers that they put on it yesterday I'm really bad at like estimating numbers but there was at least like uh, 150,000 I'm only joking uh, there was like uh, so it started at like the, the toll gate uh, pub um, about 15 minutes from Old Trafford kind of congregated there from about uh, five o'clock, half five, and then the, the crowds then left there at seven o'clock before getting to the Trinity statue at half past seven. And to be fair, it did take over the entirety of, of Talbot Road, which is like for people who haven't been to Old Trafford, like the, the, the big wide road with like two lanes each and completely taken over and then onto to Busby Way after that as well. This was a huge congregation. Like obviously I wasn't there in, in 2021. I don't think there have been too many protests of this scale outside Old Trafford. It was really interesting being in the middle of it all because I felt standing outside the toll gate and maybe in and around the pub that even like you're walking around by the tripod, you're walking around with a big red mic flag. It's you're, you're pretty conspicuous. And there was definitely kind of like an edginess around there. People like really didn't want to, to say much and obviously totally fair enough. But it was just a sense of edginess. Whereas when the, the whole thing started and you're walking through the, the whole protest, chatting to people at the front, at the middle, at the back everybody's so friendly everybody's just just wants uh, what's best for for the club and once it got going it was it was absolutely brilliant no sign of of trouble whatsoever and uh, i guess there was just a situation where there was um a, a thousand people or so uh, outside the stadium i'd say as the game actually kicked off so there was a huge police presence there just to try and hold them back because they were i think quite conscious of what happened in april of of last year and they didn't want that to, to reoccur and then as we said earlier on that that obviously had a knock-on impact on on people trying to get into the game late. Well, let's have a look at the video now. Hey, 
today the protest it's it's all behind one cause which is getting away the glazers that's all the causes today there's people here that are here for fan ownership there's people here that want us to be bought by another billionaire or whatever there's people here that think that you know you should be owned by nation states and things like that I don't believe that I'm here today for fan ownership and I think a lot of Mancunians are here today for fan ownership fan representation and working class representation back in English football because it's it's been missing from the you know from the Premier League for a long time now. That's obviously one of the, the slight dividing factors is that people want the quick Newcastle or Manchester City fix, but a lot of Manchester United fans would say that Manchester United don't actually need that, that they are a sustainable enough brand. Manchester United don't need blood money or want it. At the end of the day, <laughs> Manchester United is... We, we came back from the Munich air disaster. That's what Manchester United is about. It's a family club. It's a club for the community, it's a club for Manchester. It's not a club for billionaires to come in and leech off and be parasitical owners on. We've seen it too many times in English football. It's not just a Manchester United issue today. You've seen it at Bury, you've seen it at Bolton, you've seen it at other football clubs as well throughout the football leagues. And we need independent regulators and fan ownership models brought into football now. That is what we're asking for today. Look. What like last time I've been to the game was like a year ago, and like obviously we have had some struggles throughout the year, and what I'm seeing today is just like brings like a you know a nice emotion in my heart, and I really really do believe this is going to be a turning point. You know, it's a hard game against a really really good team. You know, full respect to them, but then we're the greatest team in the world, we're the greatest team in England, and I really really do believe that today is going to be the turning point for us. And I really, really hope for a really, really good win. said to somebody over there you can feel the energy you know you can feel the energy when you stood here the emotion the frustration it's all building up and you know it's a nice feeling honestly it feels like something big is about to happen absolutely you know and that's why i'm here myself taking the day off, taking the day off work today specifically today specifically just to come here and be here and be part of <laughs> Go on. How many years have you been a Manchester United fan for? Well, this is what I said to these lads over there that are shouting my name. I said, I'm here on behalf of my dad, my auntie, my grandma, my granddad, everyone in my family. I'm here to represent today. And so it goes back generations and that's why I'm here. You're not going to the game tonight? No, not tonight. No, no. You've stopped going to games? Yes, I have, yes. Is that because of the ownership? Yes, yeah. Yes, yeah. At what point in the Glazers' ownership did you stop going to games? Uh, after Fergie's range, really. We just we didn't go forward. We ended up sat going backwards, and then uh, um, the transfers was getting up. They weren't going to put any money in for the transfers. They're just buying plays, just for the sake of it, really, like panic buying. And it's it's the same how it's been. How they've done the business, really. Is it hard to not go to watch Manchester United? It is hard, yeah, it is. 
very hard. It's um, it's even hard watch them on TV, really, how they're performing. It's, I mean, they need they need some a foot up the backside to um, to get him to get motivated to get him start winning again. But uh, it's just a shit damn shame how it's turned out, really. It's my first time coming to Manchester. It's a great experience so far. Loving the vibes. You know, it's a great. I'm from Jamaica, right. so looking forward to the experience. It's been, it's been great so far. It's been great. It's incredible the turnout and um, just the, the pure volume around here, right? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Great, great turnout. I enjoy the peaceful process, protest. But you know, looking forward to the match against Liverpool. Yeah, we'll get in on time, right? Yeah, we should. We should. <laughs> Oh, about 45 minutes left. We're so moving really quickly. Yeah, yeah, we are. We definitely are. We uh, definitely are. So what, when it comes to, to, to the Glazers, how, how long have you been anti-Glazer for? Uh, about the last three seasons. Yeah. I got tired of some of the decisions, managerial choices. You know, we need to know, we need to plan properly. Yeah. The best time when to get rid of a coach. I think Ole did a good job at the part. But after the season, he came second. We should have swapped out for a top-class manager. Yeah. Ten Hag was there. We should have gone for Ten Hag from that time. You think Ten Hag is the guy? I do think Tenag is the guy. I do. Nice. I do appreciate him as a coach. He's going to take some time, though. I actually do want to back him. I think they need to give him the support, the real, real support that he deserves. And we're looking forward to it. Yeah, he's the biggest one by far, to be fair. And it's actually, like, it's nice to see that it's peaceful and not, not got out of hand quickly. Do you think he could actually have some sort of impact on where the club is going? I'd like to think so. I mean, it's... It's the only thing we've got to try, really. I mean, I'm an FC, FC United season ticket holder, so I've been doing this sort of since since the Glazers first came in. But ultimately, the only way we're going to achieve anything is by doing it peacefully, like getting people to notice it. And there's no point doing anything sort of violent. So, if numbers are like this every week, I don't see why not. It's, it's pressure, and it's the, com- the commercial will dip down as, as sponsors see what's going on. It's all we can do. Well, that's a really good point. This isn't the last time we're going to see this. I hope not. I certainly hope not. I mean, I don't. Obviously, a sale is not going to be a quick process, and neither is kind of this. And as long as people can stick with it, and sort of, I don't think it's a case of seeing change. But I think as long as people can see numbers grow, then we've got to. It's all we, it's all we can do, really. Right, really interesting stuff there, Owen. Um, the atmosphere didn't seem particularly anything other than uh, United to um, steal a word. Uh, there was no nastiness. There was no no specific edge to it as the evening progressed, was there? No, not at all, actually. And um, yeah, like uh, as I said, the only kind of time was just obviously uh, a few curt no's and uh, like really kind of get away from me when I was walking around with a microphone before things started. But uh, literally nothing, nothing to speak of other than that. And um, I think every, everybody involved would have been pretty happy with that. What's, what's going to be interesting is that if the ownership does leave the club, what will then happen um, then I suspect is when the divisions might start to show if they haven't already, which is re- with regards to what sort of model they want to, to take the club forward. Like, is it going to be a fan-owned model? Is it going to be uh, Britain's richest man? Is it going to be a nation state? I yeah. think that's probably where the debate lies. And, of well, course, those debates are happening right now, but they were pretty united for, for obvious reasons last night. Yeah, the, the, the uh, Glazers out is the unifying thing that brings that yeah. crowd together. But afterwards, what happens is it's actually not going to be decided by that crowd. It's going to be decided ultimately by the Glazers and who they sell to. So um, I guess that's a story for another day. Then the, the tribalism that you see and you witness there, you kind of forget it. Sometimes, because when, when, what we see here in Ireland, unless you are a match goer, 
is you see the stuff in the stadium where the stadiums are generally full and there's uh, an away end and then three quarters of the rest of the stadium is, is full. But the bits outside, that's where the colour of these matches are. And that's why it's actually worth people going over to see these games. 100%. And the fact that there was a, this, this protest was only actually completely added to the, to the whole experience, like where you, you feel that there's kind of like this, this, this sort of semi-social movement happening uh, kind of in tandem with the football itself. Um, which is, yeah, it's pr- pretty cool to see up close. Like I would say afterwards, like for people to go over to matches and stuff like that, there doesn't seem to be like one central hub for people to, to congregate afterwards. Like, as I say, I'm going to be bringing you like the, the, the fan reaction tomorrow morning with regards to, to people celebrating. But um, like for purely selfish reasons, it's not fish in a barrel. There's not just like one place where Manchester United fans are. Some of them go into the city, some of them hang around different pubs, but there isn't just like one place where they all stay. So um, it took a bit of work. It took a bit of walking around and actually trying to find people. I mean, what an absolute disgrace that was. And the hardest working man in show business, Owen. I mean, I, I, we understand that you you know, you were late because you were editing, obviously, and um, you're bleary-eyed because you weren't up drinking. You're just, uh, I mean, obviously, this is your natural disposition anyway, but you're specifically bleary-eyed this morning because of all the late-night editing you had to do to bring us this top-quality content this morning. Thank you so much. It's like my inner monologue there. You, you read out the strongly worded email that I sent to you word for word there, Jared. Thank you very much. <laughs> We're joining the protest. Um, look, we're, we're fed up with the Glazers. We think they're not good for the football club. They're not investing their own money. Um, any good business has to, has to have investors who are willing to invest in the business. They're all take, take, take. Um, the club is rotting from the inside out, and it's due to what the Glazers are doing to the club. Um, there's a common misconception that uh, we're only protesting when we're not signing players or when things go bad. That's not the case. The, the club were protesting when the good times, 2008, 2009, 2010. People are sick to death of the vampires, which is what they are. They're vampires. Uh, they're not here for the good of the club. They're here to take dividends. They're here to take money out. We're, we're after spending $1.5 billion on loans, interest rates, repayments. They're screwing the club over. They're screwing a loyal fan base. We're the biggest club in the world. There should never be a hostile takeover of Manchester United based on borrowings. Um, so the fans are sick of it. And it's time that the fans stood up, and, which is what they're doing now, and said, like, enough is enough. It's, buying a player and parading him in front of the referee tonight in Casemiro is not going to change what they've done to the club. You know, um, So it's about time we stood up, all United, get these, these crowd out of the club and we drive it on and we go back to the the way we used to be when fans had a heavy say in the club and it was a family club and it wasn't Manchester United it was Manchester United Football Club because that's what it is we were a football club we're no longer a football club Can I ask you are, are people do people have tickets tonight and are not going to use them or, or how is the protest going to work beyond the, the, the match Look I, 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 I think the problem is I think look um, people still love Manchester United soccer team so like, like, like people still want to support the club and support the team so they're a bit torn in what to do in terms of in a way, they'd like not to go in and say, like, look, we want the owners out, but in another way, they want to support the players, you know, and the players need support at the moment, right? So, um, bit torn, divided, divided loyalties, but, I, I, look, I think it's down to the individual, really, but I think everyone is united in the belief that they want the owners out. So, so, so you're going to um, march all the way down? We'll away. march down, we'll do the protest, we are going to go in to support yeah. the team. But we also realise what the bigger the bigger yeah. thing is here going on. Like, and that's we need new owners. Like, we need someone who appreciates the club, loves the club, supports the club, and is ready to back the club in what we need to do to compete with the big boys going forward. Because 
United are no longer like they might think they're big boys, but the way they're carrying on off the pitch, they're no longer big boys. Wait until the end of the transfer window, scrambling around. Um, if I was Ten Hag, I'd probably walk. Do you know? Already, already, yeah. I'd probably walk out and say like uh, he hasn't been supported, he hasn't been back. His hands are tied behind his back. Um, just absolutely amateur hour is what it is at Old Trafford all the time. Amateur hour, laughing stock at the moment, like you know. You know the fans like to think like oh. Look at Arsenal, look at this. Well, we're a laughing stock at the moment. Like, it's not nice, like, you know. It's about time now they started uh, getting their act together and going back and sorting the house out, like, you know. Uh, we bet we're expecting a bit of an hostile atmosphere, to be honest. I mean, last time we played Liverpool and we, I think they won 5 0 or 5 1 here, people were leaving at our time coming down here and shouting at us as if we, we'd, it was our fault, you know, when we, when we were on the stall. People mix you up with officialdom of the club, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They do, yeah. They think well, because we're selling Manchester United gear, we're associated with the Glazers in some way, and yet we don't. I mean, we sell more green and yellow scarves than we do anything, and more Glazers out scarves, and we try and push them, you know, when we're there because we don't want the Glazers there either. We'd we'd sooner have someone there, so you know, we've got the club at heart and not money. It mustn't feel great when people are saying that to you. No, it doesn't. It feels bad. Because, I mean, we dress mostly in United gear, or, you know, red and white, and they still don't seem to, it doesn't seem to but, you know, register with them. They still think, oh, no, the, the club, you know, the, the United, the club. Um, it's not like that. It's a shame. Do you think some fans won't show up? I mean, to, to the stadium, I mean. Uh, definitely, yeah. Um, the plan is not to go in. Uh, we, don't, we don't want anyone to go in. Show the Glazers that we are here. We are in full strength. And that's what we need to let the Glazers know. Show them that it's not just about the money. Like, we could... Like, they're going to feel from it because they're not getting the money that we're paying them. Uh, and I just think if we stay out, then they're going to be like, oh, what's going on here then? So, yeah. Do you think... This is the last question. Do you think Jim Radcliffe is the, the guy to take over? I see he's, his face is on the 1958 banner today, is he? I, th- I think he is. Uh, I think people are saying... He's a bit older, so he doesn't really care about the money at the end of the day. He's, I think he's the richest man in Britain, is he? Um, but he doesn't need the money. He's there. He's a United fan. He knows what we're going through, uh, and he just wants success on the pitch. He doesn't care about the success financially. OTB AM. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 